Hello, fellow Powder Hounds, and welcome to the Powder Hounds Podcast, the Ski Trivia Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Shaw. You can follow me on Twitter at PowderHoundSkis. You can also email me at PowderHoundSkiTrivia at gmail.com for comments, questions, or corrections. And then there were three, or maybe two, possibly just one. While the 2022-2023 ski season has come to a close for everyone I know, a lucky few in California and the Montana-Wyoming border still have the ability to make some laps this season. Let's start with the current winner of the 2022-2023 winter season. That would be Mammoth Mountain in California. Mammoth still has 75 trails open, 24 of which are groomed, representing 41% of skiable terrain served by nine lifts, including three terrain parks and one half pipe. And if you need a reminder on why Mammoth is still open, Mammoth dug out from over 700 inches of snow and dubbed their record-breaking season extension second season. I'd say so. Moving north to Palisades Tahoe, also in California. Don't sleep on the Alpine Meadows side, which is still skiing through the 4th of July. Alpine Meadows still has 34 trails open, 16 of which are groomed, representing 14% of skiable terrain. And finally, heading northeast, the flagship of summer laps, Beartooth Basin in Montana. Beartooth Basin's tagline is literally the summer ski area because its access road, the Beartooth Highway, is buried in snow throughout the long western winter. And after weeks upon weeks of plowing layers of snowy cement off the road, they open for skiing. Yes, layers upon layers of caked snow plus a 10,000 foot base elevation provides the goods if the timing is right. Indeed, as the latest conditions report reads, quote, conditions are constantly changing at 10,000 feet, come prepared for adverse riding and driving conditions. Road closures can happen. Check the forecast before you visit, end quote. And as of this recording, it is actually unclear if that ski area is open, but if you happen to find yourself in Montana this summer, remember, Beartooth Basin is just three hours southeast of Bozeman. Our music inspiration is Third Eye Blind, a nod to the three still open ski areas as we've crossed into the official summer season. I don't know about you, but I always seem to smile whenever semi-charmed life pops on, perhaps a reach back to those humorous American Pie days. At the very least, the last third of the song there's that number three again, has some timely goodbye lyrics, a subtle nod to the conclusion of ski season. Whether or not you're a fan of high school prom related packs or heading to Mammoth or Beartooth Basin for some summer skiing, I invite you to sit back, kick your feet up, relax, and enjoy the experience of everything skiing and riding. Powderhounds.
sources for today's episode, National Ski Areas Association and various ski area websites. I hope you had a great winter season. I sure did. So did the industry. As you may have read, NSAA, otherwise known as the National Ski Areas Association, released some compelling figures suggesting skiing is in a surprisingly good place. Is what I wrote one year ago for the 2022 End of Season Reflection Podcast. Yet those words ring just as true today as they did one year ago. Because, as NSAA published last month, quote, U.S. ski areas recorded record visitation for the 2022-2023 season with a total of 64.7 million skier visits, according to preliminary data. That is a 6.6% increase over last year's record-setting season. And the Northeast also saw increases in season-over-season skier visits. I'm happy to have had a small part in contributing to these numbers. I'm sure you do as well. As you may have picked up, I tend to wander. I visit different ski areas throughout the winter season and rarely ski the same trail or terrain twice. Well, unless it's a six stash or an old favorite. Frequency passes, state ski association lift ticket promotions, and frankly, cheap lift tickets at non-mega pass ski areas make this practically or financially possible. Visiting smaller ski areas are my go-to move to avoid busy weekend skier traffic, and you should too. I call this move Smaller Ski Area Saturday. As corny as it may sound, perhaps lame as it may sound is more accurate, I hope the gist catches on. After all, Small Business Saturday, the national marketing initiative to shop local, has become synonymous with the holiday shopping season. Skiing smaller ski areas should be encouraged just the same during the winter season. As much as we rather not think about it, all skiers dread the inevitable crowds on powder days, holiday periods, and weekends. Sure, workarounds exist, wake up super early for first chair, ride slower lifts, ski during the lunch hour, lap terrain with less traffic, tailgate in the parking lot to avoid lodge musical chairs. But It is easier to avoid crowds altogether by skiing smaller ski areas, especially on Saturdays. By smaller ski areas, I just mean ski areas that are not typically overrun with people on weekends. To be fair, every ski area can reach capacity at peak times. Also, some smaller ski areas are quite large, whether measured by skiable acres, vertical drop, trail network, or lift system. Finally, every ski area is unique and should not neatly fit into a category, let alone this definition. No offense intended, just spreading the stoke that is felt when visiting a smaller ski area. Smaller ski areas are the lifeblood of the sport. These ski areas are typically where never-evers are introduced to skiing or snowboarding. They're more affordable and less intimidating than a larger resort. While all ski areas are economic engines for the communities where they are located, 
smaller ski areas tend to have more community involvement, if not outright local ownership. And of course, smaller ski areas feed the larger areas and resorts as skiers develop skills, confidence, and a sense of adventure. The point being, the ski industry needs smaller ski areas. Some smaller ski areas are doing their best just to survive amidst fierce competition and limited marketing budgets for customers, unpredictable weather, workforce challenges, and increasing costs. But we can help them thrive by skiing there more often. This past winter season, most of my days skied were at smaller ski areas. Sometimes those days skied were split among two different ski areas. Indeed, I wandered. The Northeast is fortunate to have over 150 ski areas among seven states, with many located surprisingly close to one another. A wonderful option at smaller ski areas is choice, skiing all day or for part of the day. An increasing number of smaller ski areas offer session lift tickets for a set amount of time. Two hour sessions, four hour sessions, a morning session, night skiing after 3 p.m., etc. Usually, session lift ticket prices are discounted significantly during the week, making an unplanned visit an affordable option. Imagine that, unplanned, affordable skiing. It is possible. Smaller ski areas tend to be off the radar, passionately loved by the local community, and ripe with character. They are central spots for community activities throughout the year that support socializing, such as hosting summer concert series and making a difference, such as hosting fundraisers for local students. In the winter, most are lighter in skier traffic and waiting to be discovered. I recently heard regional snow sports writer Sean Sutner say, quote, Ragged Mountain in New Hampshire is criminally overlooked, end quote, likely because it's not on a mega pass. Mr. Sutner went on to emphasize Ragged Mountain is a musky on a powder day an example of the unique character of a smaller ski area. Ragged Mountain's $99 weekend lift ticket price, and that's 2022-2023 season pricing, is well-priced when compared to its neighbors and at 1,250 vertical feet on 250 acres is plenty of terrain for most powder seekers. Overlooked ski areas, whether criminally or not, are sure to surprise you in a good way. While limited to skiing the Northeast this winter season, I came across a number of overlooked surprises. In the Catskill Mountains of New York, the smallest of the three Olympic Regional Development Authority mountains, Bel Air, and not the famous one in California, with a different spelling, separated itself as a must-ski. The East's first significant snowstorm of the season enabled Bel Air to open 100% of terrain despite a mild November and early December. A modern lift system moved people around without stoppage, and the line of the day was the Wanatuska Black Diamond Trail, perfectly groomed to the Bel Air Express Quad, a delightful descent with plenty of cutover options skiers left. If you buy your lift ticket four days in advance, including weekends, and a reliable weather window, I might add, the cost is $54 for adults any day, plus $5 for an RFID card, for first-timers. Heading east into the Berkshire Mountains is revitalized Bosque Mountain in Massachusetts. As an allied IndyPass partner, a four-hour weekday session only costs $21 for adults, plus $5, 
RFID card for first timers. The Duet Black Diamond to Parker Trail Black Diamond combination is the line of the day to lap. Steep, narrow, twisting, no beginners, everything you want in a lively downhill run. With live music playing, sun shining, a dozen filled Adirondack chairs at the time, surrounding the fire pit facing the front slopes, it was all smiles at the base area. Interestingly, the yellow Summit chair, number one, is the only chair painted gold, though I don't know why. I will be heading back next season to find out. Farther northeast is Granite Gorge in New Hampshire. The location of Granite Gorge is fortuitous. You must drive by the ski area to get to most southern New Hampshire ski areas if traveling from the west. Granite Gorge reopened after a two-year hiatus and ownership change. One of the products the ski area offers is a $30 two-hour session ticket, which may capture passerby skier traffic of those curious. I was among that group. After a morning charging around nearby Crotchet Mountain, two hours at Granite Gorge was a perfect way to end the ski day. The line to lap was the Paradise Trail Blue Square arcing across the mountain to Main Street Black Diamond with a cold, affordable switchback ale on tap as an earned reward. Less than an hour southwest is Brattleboro Ski Hill in southern Vermont. Brattleboro Ski Hill is home to the cheapest adult lift ticket on the east, five bucks. The volunteer-run ski area is walking distance from the popular Vermont Country Deli, so anyone who's loading up on their famous pulled pork, mac and cheese, or giant chocolate chip cookies must first turn left off Route 9 into the Living Memorial Park of which Brattleboro Ski Hill is located. The Vermont Country Deli actually sponsors the ski area, so you'll feel good supporting the T-Bar powered area. Whichever descent you choose, the racing course, the progression park, or the open slope. The baseball scoreboard mounted to the T-Bar bullwheel structure will surely make you appreciate the community ski hill experience. Much farther south is Mohawk Mountain in Connecticut. This is the place to ski on a Saturday because their Mid-Mountain Lodge, Pine Lodge restaurant, opens on the weekends. It is not your typical modern summit lodge, but a time warp to the early days of American skiing. Wonderfully dated memorabilia adorn the wood paneling, and a basic snack menu is just enough of a draw for a steady flow of customers. The Mohawk Triple chair rises directly over the lodge, and the smell of deep-fried french fries is impossible to resist, let alone avoid. Mohawk Mountain's recently renovated base lodge is beautiful in its own right, and features a historic selection of early American skiing artifacts as well. The Timber Trail Black Diamond is a must-ski, especially once the trail reopens after morning ski races. Finally, way up north is Saddleback in Maine. After a five-year hiatus, Saddleback reopened two winter seasons ago to much excitement. While Rangeley, Maine is not the easiest place to travel to, that is kind of the point. Most visitors are good skiers seeking a new adventure. Big mountain skiing, no crowds, a touch of remoteness, and a catapult of a base area quad that whisks you up three quarters of the mountain in less than five minutes. The Casablanca Glades, double diamond terrain, is must ski if the snow is good, and this year, the snow was good. Now I get it. You have a mega pass or season pass. Why would you spend more money to ski somewhere else? 
because smaller ski areas are worth it. Plus, you may be an Icon Pass holder, but want to meet up with your Epic Pass holder buddy. While you may have a buddy pass to share, that ain't free for your friend, so why not pick a smaller ski area to meet up at instead? Smaller ski areas are affordable. They're less crowded, they're unique, and frankly, they need your support to thrive. After all, smaller ski areas feed the larger ski areas and resorts with the next generation of skiers and riders who spend the most money at the mountain. That's right, those newbies, they buy day tickets, they rent gear, they take lessons, they opt for hot chocolate breaks more often, and they certainly don't eat lunch in the car. Those dollars help pay for new lifts, technology upgrades, and other amenities that improve our collective on-mountain experience. So next time you find yourself planning to ski on a Saturday, choose a smaller ski area. I'll see you there. Looks like it's four o'clock. Time to catch the last chair and to take a summer break. Thank you for listening. Have a question, comment, or correction? Email me at powderhoundskitrivia at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at powderhoundskis. Better yet, subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast Manager, Verbal, Spotify, and Stitcher. Just type Powderhounds Podcast. Until next time, see you on the slopes, Powderhounds. Drop another line like a gutter with the curse.